0: Welcome to another edition of Minding Your Business with your host, D.B. Hegler. Presented weekly here on WJCU in cooperation with the Shaker Heights Chamber of Commerce. Welcome back to Minding Your Business. I'm your host, D.B. Hegler. We are talking today about conflict management in the workplace. And to help us with this topic, we have an expert, and we're very lucky to get this guest. We have Dr. Jason Carthen, known as the leadership linebacker. He consults with Fortune 500 companies to provide quality training and coaching to thousands of men and women every year. As a pro football player with the world champion New England Patriots, he knows what it takes to reach the highest level of success. Thank you for being on Minding Your Business, Dr. Carthen.
1: Hey, BB, thank you for having me.
0: Before we get started, I want to point out one little piece. You are a former linebacker for the New England Patriots and then went on to get a Ph.D.? Yes,
1: that's correct.
0: That's phenomenal. That's a story in itself. We have to have you back to tell that story of the journey. But you go out and you talk to people about how to be successful in business now. So you've transferred success to success, yes?
1: Yeah, I mean, I would agree with that. I mean, it actually uh, was... a. Uh sort of roundabout route, but yes, (laughs) that's
0: correct. Thank you for being on Minding Your Business. It's great to talk to you. I am looking at some information that says that when it comes to CFOs or chief financial officers, they say they're spending on average 15% of their time or six hours a week managing staff conflicts. Any thoughts on how to avoid those conflicts or manage them better? Because the best way to win an argument is not to have an argument, correct?
1: Well, I I think at the end of the day, let me go back to go forward. Whenever I go into organizations, um, I talk to them specifically about onboarding processes. And the reason why I'm sharing that with you is because typically you can get a good gauge on how people will handle conflict or how they won't be able to handle conflict at the initial stages of engagement with the organization. I think what sometimes will happen is that we look at someone, we look at the resume, and we think, wow, you know, we're going to bring them on board, but we have not done full due diligence. So – begin to pay a lot of money to retrain or deal with conflict incidents in terms of HR and different things like that, it's typically because they have not really gauged how people will problem solve and what their coping skills are. So the 15% really doesn't surprise me. And to your point, yes, it's always great if we can avoid conflict. uh, But what typically happens is that you can't I think what you'll find is that if they are not open or willing to be trained, then we have to really release them to something better suited uh, for their conflict management style.
0: Many people might wonder what role human resources have in the conflict management picture.
1: Well, they play a huge part now, but we have to keep in mind that you have small organizations, then you have large organizations, and then you have the (laughs) multidimensional, huge organizations like a FedEx or GE. And So it really varies. Some of these uh, organizations don't even have HR departments. So you're left with individuals in a smaller context dealing with people face-to-face when they have to work through their own conflict issues, too, But then when you have a larger organization uh, with the HR department, they really should be set up with uh, best practices to deal with conflict uh, management issues. But I think sometimes, uh, DB, if people are not careful, it's easy to look at someone and say, hey, just send them to HR because they're really acting out or they're really having challenges or different things like that. When in reality, it goes back to what we talked about earlier, when they were brought on, did we do a personality assessment? Did we do a sort of deep dive into understanding who we we're actually bringing into the camp at that point? HR really is not able to engage someone at that point because what happens, what I've seen in my experience after 20 years of doing this, what I've seen is that once someone has gone through the honeymoon phases and now they're in the actual organization, HR is pretty reactionary. You know, if uh, someone has done something, if there are ongoing conflicts, then HR steps in when typically that sort of connectivity just stops after the onboarding process. That's why it's just so important to make sure you have vetted someone and you know who you are actually bringing into organization at that point, and also make sure that you have ongoing training, maybe every three to six months, just making sure that people are being indoctrinated into the organization, they're getting a feel for it, and they're able to grow into their position. That way you can head off these sort of conflict things that come up.
0: You said something that I think is interesting, having been a linebacker for the New England Patriots. How important do you think team building within an organization is? Is as it relates to avoiding conflict later on down the road?
1: Wow, excellent question. Well, you know, a couple of things. Um, you know, it's interesting because, again, excuse me, you have different contexts which when people are brought on board, but sometimes it's better if you have an individual that is very diligent, uh, they're self motivated, they can work by themselves, and that's what you want. <laughs> so sometimes you need that then there are other times when teams are crucial, when you have very uh, complex tasks or when you have situations where you need to have individuals that bring a certain expertise or specialization to a project, that team sort of framework is very important. So I think it's it's crucial uh, if you have that sort of business model where you need several different people that are going to speak to a very specific problem or issue that's taking place, And if you have, again, onboarded them, they understand the dynamic in the organization and what is required, especially if teamwork is required, then it's at that point that you can head off some of the issues with conflict. It's at that point that you can kind of get a better gauge of someone's willingness, you know, to be diplomatic if there are concerns or if there are disagreements. So that sort of thing works well in that that teamwork piece. and. Just as an example, I remember when we would uh, show up for training camp, you always sort of knew who would probably be a problem person once you got to training camp, and you just sort of watched how things played out. You watched how people interacted. And after a period of time, either those individuals made it or they didn't make it. But one thing was certain, you know, either you're going to assimilate uh, to the team or you're either going to be asked to leave or at some point it's going to become so toxic that management or leadership has to do something about
0: it. There's an old saying, no matter how much talent you have, it will not overcome a crappy personality.
1: (laughs) I don't know if that's an old one. I I hear that. (laughs) I think it still holds true. Uh, You know, it's so funny uh, that you say that because many times people have these just these gorgeous resumes and these uh, curriculum vitae[s] where people are showing up saying, "Hey, I can do this, I can do that," but once you begin to dig a little deeper, you're absolutely correct. I mean, if people have a poor attitude, or if they have again those home of origin issues that keep bleeding out, it's it's just not going to be good. It's not going to be good. It's going to impact the entire culture of the organization and. Conflict management will be the smallest concern at that point. It's going to be bigger things like factions and lower productivity and people leaving. And it's a different animal. So it needs to be dealt with on the front side.
0: Let's talk a little bit about past the onboarding, how conflicts can erupt. What do you think about communication issues or having policies on communications because I've known people that have just gotten one bad email and all of a sudden didn't like a person. We have to be more careful about using those caps and those exclamation points. I guess the question is do you find that people may have one personality face to face and a different personality when they get to hide behind an email?
1: Two things there you know when we start looking at the idea of conflict. Um, You essentially have people that are going to engage in conflict for just one or two reasons. Typically, it's related to either values uh, or perception. (laughs) That's that's really where people start bumping into things with conflict.
0: I know there are lots and lots and lots of classes and groups and seminars and ways to learn leadership management. Everyone wants to be a leader, no one wants to be the follower. But when it comes to conflict management in the workplace, maybe if we just ratchet it down a little bit and try to talk with people face-to-face or have a cup of coffee, may some of those conflicts be resolved without reaching the level of management?
1: Yeah, I think they can. I I think that's uh, what many people would want experience, typically things get in the way uh, because if you don't have the tools, which you alluded to relative to the trainings and the seminars and the very things that I, that I provide on, you know, it's it's interesting because if you don't have those tools, then it's almost like um, you keep going around in circles. You know, you, if you don't know how to talk to someone and problem solve through a very, uh, conflict based situation, then you're not going to be able to get out of it it's almost like you keep you're trying to do the same thing over and over and you're expecting different results and We know that's the definition of insanity <laughs> you know you you can't figure this thing out on your own if you got into the conflict in the first place so you really have to make sure you have the tools you have to make sure uh, say for example, if someone is engaging you and they've shown that they're very aggressive with their conflict style, then if you know that, then you know you're going to have to react to them differently and vice versa. If someone is very uh, quiet and it appears they're being passive aggressive in their management, uh, in their conflict management style, then you have to know that you have to be able to engage them in a certain way. But if you have two people that keep bumping heads and they say, well, we just got to do better with this conflict management. But that's all they do. They just keep saying that they don't have the tools. Then having that cup of coffee at Starbucks is probably not going to happen unless somebody throws a coffee on one another. <laughs> it's not going to end well at the end of the day. Does that make sense?
0: It does. And maybe we have contributed to that by asking fewer people to do more and do it faster without as many tools. I've noticed that in most companies, there are a lot less training tools being given to their employees, which is what I think I hear you saying. How would you go about getting the tools on your own to be able to maneuver and manage your own success if your company is not forthcoming and paying to send you to training or to provide training. If you get into a new company, you probably want to start looking for some more training, whether the company pays for it or not. What are some of the steps to try to keep yourself on a fast track to success?
1: Sure. Well, I think it's uh, just ongoing learning. I mean, it's what you described. Um, I do executive coaching, and I only take on a few uh, a few clients. Uh, but what i found is that when you are having a system tailor-made to the points that you want to grow into, whether it's uh, developing better leadership, whether it's developing uh, coping mechanisms, whether it's developing um, your ability to communicate, whatever it may be, Typically, you need to have a coach. You need to have someone on the outside that's going to help you to develop those tools because um, some people would say, well, why not just go to the university and get uh, executive education courses or something like that? Sometimes that's appropriate, okay? But there are other times that when you really need to put things in action and you get immediate value from the interaction – That's where coaches come in, and it's not something where you can just sit in a classroom. I don't care what sort of format they offer it to you in. You still have to go through the stages of learning, the the knowledge, the comprehension, the assessment, the analysis, the synthesis, and the evaluation. Essentially, you have six stages of learning, and when you sit in that classroom, you're only getting one. (laughs) You're getting the knowledge piece, you know, but... To go through the other five, you need to engage someone. You need to deal with someone where they're pushing back and they're asking you questions, and that's where the coaching comes in, and that's where you get that immediate value. Those are the things that you can now take with you, and when you go into a situation in an organization, you can share certain things. When you get a seat at the table and someone asks you a question, you can engage them around a response that's going to add value rather than, having a deer in the headlights look and that happens often you know when I do board training you'll see certain individuals that maybe they're not really uh, clear on what their role is supposed to be or what value they're supposed to add so when you have these individuals that want to grow and I strongly encourage people to do that then you certainly want to go outside of uh, the company and make sure you're growing as an individual as a person And typically, coaching uh, really helps with that sort of thing.
0: I think you're absolutely right. And not only that, but sometimes a disinterested third party can give you an objective perspective on even what you're thinking or the road that you're going on and give you some good sound advice. Thank you for being on Minding Your Business. I'm so glad that we were able to talk with you today. We are listening to Dr. Jason Carthen, known as the leadership linebacker author of 52 Ways to Tackle Leadership for Your Success, podcaster, and overall, good guy. Thank you for being on Minding Your Business. And your website is?
1: Uh, It's jasoncarthen.com, and thank you so much for having me.
0: Thank you for being on the show. I appreciate it. All
1: right.